Welcome to The Speculum, a podcast that opens up dialogue around women's intimate health. We discuss topics ranging from puberty to postmenopause. We want women to be comfortable and confident as they navigate life's changes. My name's Elise Maxwell, and I am your host. For this episode, I'm joined by Fartoon Welly, the executive director of Isarun, a nonprofit that advocates for empowerment, education, equal opportunity, and health care for Somali women living outside of Somalia. Today, we discuss what it means to be a women's health advocate. The Speculum strives to destigmatize women's intimate health topics through healthy, honest, and factual conversation, and to do so in a way that does not polarize women or politicize their bodies. I can't think of a better way to do that than by sitting down with Fartoon Welly to discuss what it means to advocate for women's health and break the silence around taboo topics such as infertility and female genital cutting. Fartoon Welly is a Somali-American and healthcare advocate. After experiencing infertility and early menopause, Fartoon became a critical voice in women's health. Through community outreach and policy advocacy, Fartoon is bridging communities. Thank you so much for joining us today, Fartoon. Thank you. So to get started, we just I, I really want to learn more about you, about your um, journey to the United States, and then how you became activist, a policy-minded individual around women's health in the United States. Well, um, I immigrated to you as late 1999, so I came November of 1999. So I identify myself as a Y2K immigrant, and as most immigrants do go straight to ESL and also start working to send money home and also fend myself. And I worked at Methodist Hospital as a phlebotomist because I had that skills already. My background, I'm one of six kids and my mom, father had passed away when I was seven. So she, she's the rock of the family and I've watched her struggle, but also poverty did not define us or she didn't define us. So we always had a grace and wanted to do help other people. So I really ask myself all the time why my mom had struggled. And I saw a lot of women also do that. But also I saw they had amazing social connection and they supported one another. And there was amazing system that was passed down for generations. So I always had that in my mind as I was growing, very proud, you know, Somali. And I was like, okay, what can I do to give back? And I just became, I'm gonna work hard, send money home. Of course, we came from civil war country. And, but then I watched what was happening here in Minnesota, how women are struggling because they're immigrants, how they were defined. It was need-based definition. Let's give what they need. And no one was utilizing the amazing skills and the passion and street smart and social networking that they know. And I was like, wait a minute. You can't because someone is, you know, doesn't fit your social status or you don't understand. I just don't want a paternalistic behavior 
to deplete our awesome social and cultural norms that Somali women have. And I'm sure that's not only Somali women, but a lot of people of color and immigrants have that. I did a feasibility study and I said, what is missing from this world? Why the community is struggling to fit in? And also, Somalis, I don't know if people know, they're very extroverted. They want to be social. We're social creatures, but they're also very proud. Helping them get their specific need is not helping them. It, it is it's just limiting their potential of doing something. So I've realized that there was a role that I should play. And I was like, we'll get Isurun off the ground. And that would be utilizing the, all the amazing social networking strength-based of Somali women and that is how we started and it just became a safe place where women could talk about issues and the first group that we've started were women who are unable to conceive that were treated poorly by my culture. And how did you decide to focus on that, focus on women who were having a hard time conceiving? Because I had my own story, I was, I got married along the way, my, my husband, who now we've been married for 13 years. I got busy with school and everything else, so after three years we were married, I was like, OMG, I'm almost getting 30, let me try and get pregnant. And I used some, you know, pill that my doctor gave me to, um, over, you know, give me more ovulation. Everything was fine, but she's like, let's just kick in and get these five pills off the ground. And I just had a, a premature ovarian failure from that. It was one in 10,000 women had, you know, had some sort of allergic reaction to it. So I went through menopause in age 30, and I've realized how people judgmental were within my community. They weren't respecting how much drive and energy and contribution I'm bringing to the community. And I was like, oh my God, we're in the United States, we should not be judging women. So I became a little activist. <laughs> and I said, you know, let's start from right there because we cannot integrate into our new home. We have to clean our own house first. So establishing Isuron was, yep, let's get, let's utilize our own communities, our own women's strength, but also let's establish giving women a power saying, if I can't have a baby, that doesn't mean I'm nobody. So we started internal conversation with our own community. So when you first started Isuron, how did you get the women to come to that organization and start talking about the issues of conceiving? The way I focused was I worked with our seniors and I worked with faith leaders. 2011, we put together an event and we've invited a lot of Somalis. And what happened, I told my story. I just took the microphone, over 300 people showed up and saying, why would, why would anyone want to talk about infertility? It's very taboo. It's very intimate. It's very weird. It, no one talks about it. It's hush-hush conversation. Women usually, if they can't conceive, sometimes the husband is the problem. The women are blamed. So what I realized was that I got to break something, but that I didn't want to talk about someone else's story. I went through menopause. I had the hot flashes. My husband was very supportive, but I had a lot of people who would say, oh, you're career-driven. You're still using you know, birth control while I'm having hot flashes. So I felt sick to my stomach. Said, something has to be done. So I took the microphone when the event happened and I told my story about what happened to me, why I need to do this, why we have to stop judging. 
And then we started, we brought providers, OBGYN doctors to talk about babies made by two people. It's not only the women, but also how you go about and test yourself. What happened right there were instant connection and relationships with the women who were able to conceive, the ones who couldn't conceive, the elders, everyone felt respected. There was a story of compassion, but there was also a story about let's be supportive, let's not be judgmental. I really didn't know how people are going to react, but I didn't really give a damn. I just wanted something to be done with the community and welcoming through women, all women, all kinds of age. And that's what happened. So by sharing your story, it just opened up this whole sense of compassion, understanding, non-judgment. So you really broke the silence. We broke the silence. And we have a saying, something in Somali that says, you know, what you hide, hides you. So if you have a secret, that secret also keeps you isolated. So it was like breaking that. But it would also, it was, it was like educating, informing, not judgmental. There was a face, they put to face to a woman who they apparently saw, I wasn't afraid, but I was proud to be Somali American. I was pulling, I was referencing verses of the Quran that says you cannot judge. The verses of the Quran, my religion that says, God makes decision who has baby and who not. So who are you to judge me? You know, I was putting verses of the religion. I was also appealing that compassion of, I could be your sister, I could be your wife, I could be your grandma, what, what on earth? Nobody ever did that before. And I think that made Israel and me, quite frankly, celebrity. And I was kind of, I wasn't ready for it. I was a full-time student and full-time work. And women innocently related on us. So then right now it's like we had monthly meetings where women will come, but they don't want to talk to each other, so they want to have a private conversation <laughs> at the coffee shows throughout Minnesota. So my Saturdays and Sundays, I'll just meet with them at our coffee, and I will listen. Have you checked yourself out? Go, your husband, let him check on those. He doesn't want to do it. And I'm like, don't you dare start hormone injection or anything without your husband checking him out first. So then we started talking to the men and saying, you only have to do your sperm test. We have to do so many. So I'll go through the, <laughs> the perfect exam, the ultrasound, the HCG, the hormone injections that we have to take. And then women started. It took it took a couple of years where women said, I told my husband, I'm not going to do anything unless you check yourself out. So there was a relevant revelation of grassroots movement that started and then the other women who had babies and seniors said I also want to talk about my own intimate issues so voila it sort of just grew from there. So what started um, with infertility just grew to be a lot more issues that around um, reproductive health and yeah. sexual health. Sexual health, reproductive, but, but the most important thing is it was the conversation. How do you have a conversation without without being laughed out of, without being judged? So for me, talking about my own intimate health issues and going through menopause, I was still going through the menopause at that time. It was very painful. I felt isolated. I felt sick to my stomach. But that moving away from that, that was a what built a relationship and what built a trust. It was not judgmental, not looking down, respectful, challenging too intellectually so they saw that I did my homework both religion and community but also they saw that I was proud of, of me who I was I was proud of 
my upbringing. I was proud of who I was. And I showed that you can be American, you can be Somali American by standing who you are. I could not just ask anybody to delete their whole upbringing. You know, when people say interrogation, a lot of people think delete everything you know, just fit what American is. So a lot of people have a lot of identity crisis. And I was like, yep, nope, you know. I came here as an adult. I'm I'm still working hard. I do 40 hours a week of school and I work hard. That is American value, but also that's a Somali value. We have to work hard. So there are a lot of political conversation, relationship, upbringing people who are feeling down. We zeroed in the capacity we had was about how do we work both providers and Somali women to understand each other in culturally specific way. And it has been a battle for a while. So I feel like the environment is a little bit ready right now. And Somali women have a specific reproductive health need because their female genital cutting what they call mutilation, we don't call it mutilation, we call it cutting, which makes them very unique and challenging, both their sexual need, reproductive health need, and also having an intimate conversation about those things. So uh, it's not only Somali women, but African, most of the African women go through those. We'll take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll talk to Fartoon about the challenges around female genital cutting. The Speculum is produced by Ova Woman, an e-commerce community that supports the intimate health needs of women. Have you ever noticed that when you go to a baby shower, there are many gifts for the baby and none for the mom, even though the mom does all of the work? Well, Ova Woman now has a postpartum kit that includes many essential products that support women after they've given childbirth. Check it out at ovawoman.com. Thinking about that, the cutting, mm-hmm. how have you approached that? How have you supported practitioners in the United States in making sure that they aren't judgmental and they're taking care of women and making them feel comfortable and building that trust? How, how has that been? That really, it, it really has been very difficult and it still is. And the reason is many pro even though some are trying some areas are better than others the one size fits all healthcare system and i worked at you know methodist hospital for 12 years you know went from being a phlebotomist drawing blood to all the way coaching providers to use electronic medical records and had an intimate relationship with providers and patients so i've seen the health system it's one size fits all health system it's not a health system that looks at says, well, who are you? You know, how, what is your specific need? So it's interesting that your your programs is speculum. And that is the biggest problem that female genital cutting women who had gone through even the menopause group, which I'm part of, it is very painful. I think other women who have not been cut, it's painful too. So Using, so using, using a speculum? Is using a speculum unless the doctor is aware that this woman is being cut. It, you know, even if she's widow, it's more than that. If she haven't had a sex for a while, it gets worse and it closes the... Um, it's it's hard time. So what we do is, for as an organization, we've realized there's a huge uphill battle for providers to 
be very specific because again this is driven by the huge health system it's all about pay and 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 you know that's why you have the worst healthcare disparity somalis actually are the worst they have the lowest access of preventative services somali women are and 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 so there is a reason for that there's a huge disparity report that just came out that Somalis are the are the lowest of accident. This is not an accident. Where we came from, there are no good healthcare sy system. And then we move in here and it's like, yep, go ahead and adopt everything as it is. But women are, the first generation are poor. They want to get out of poverty. God help me, they're working hard for their second generation. But then they're, they're bottom of the barrel. They're not taking care of themselves. Their priority are their kids, right? Somali women discipline and want to be healthy, have a healthy baby, health, all those things. Providers want to understand the community. So Isurun is standing in the middle, but we don't have partners who say, these the communities with this community and this women need are priority for us. How do we bring the resources, Isurun, to both educate both the community and the providers? But, so what we do is, I go and do first and second year medical students at the U. I do workshops for them. Since the institution is too busy or it's not a priority for them, so I just go <clears throat> monthly at the medical students and I do brown bag lunch for them, teaching them about female genital cutting, how do you do pelvic exam and those things. And then we do continuous health education for Somali women and then saying, yep, it hurts, yes, let's find out which nice doctor that does good pelvic exam and they're like mine doesn't do that it just jams me the damn spoke <laughs> jams the speculum in is that yeah. Yeah. and so um but it's a part of learning it, it is it is very unique um it is very unique challenges but again they've lived through it for a long time that they're now saying okay you know this is another obstacle and I'm gonna pull through it. And I, and we're saying, you know, we have amazing volunteers and supporters, and we say, you know, over our dead body, this is not an experience that you're gonna wing it. We're gonna try and change the system. So Isarun supports primarily um, women of the Muslim faith, mm -hmm. faith and women who have immigrated here from Africa, and primarily Somalia. Mm -hmm. How can we support, um, how can women from other religions and other backgrounds support the work that you're doing to support these women? Mm -hmm. That is a good question. So how do you support, like right now I was saying that I know there are a lot of women who want to support, you know, but also we want also know how we can support them as well. Yeah. So the it goes both ways. Yeah. I want to make sure that is yeah. clear. So support each other. Support each other. I think the the biggest opportunity for non-Somali women or non-African women is really coming, like building us bridge and having a conversation, and understanding that the 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 Muslim women and non-Muslim women actually have a lot of barriers. There's the intimate, you know, health. But when you talk to young Somali 24-year-old who barely speaks any English, who came here maybe when she was seven, and we, those are part of our audience, by the way, they're very intelligent, my goodness, uh, beautiful in and out. They'll say, you know, white feminists judge us. 
they think we're wearing scarf so we're oppressed so the biggest barrier we have that way that Isurun can alleviate is to stop the judgment yes and, and, and look at this young, like I'm the first generation, but we have boys, so many young females coming out. We need each other. But if you're prejudging, you know, you're, you're, you're American, you should not be wearing the scarf. Or white feminists, there's some of them are just so blinded by the religion aspect of Muslim women are oppressed or, the, or Mormon were oppressed. I think number one is doing that self Eval, what am I contributing in the social isolation? How am I going to build bridges? Come in and let us tell you how does our scarf make us look good and look beautiful and, you know, how we feel. Let us educate you what you think women, Muslim women are oppressed. Let's, let's have a dialogue about that. How weird it sounds, promise you, no one's going to be pissed because we heard all of them. But at least this one, we're going to be intentional yeah. in saying, this is your judgment. Let me tell you how otherwise it is. Because those opportunities are missing yeah. from our, our point of view. And I'm sure the, the white feminists or white women or other women who are here in this are also, everyone's looking for the opportunities. Some people, you can never change their mind. But I know Minnesota also has amazing women who also want to build other women's power yeah. and do things together. So number one, being less judgment. If you really, really, really want to ask all your questions, come over. Let's have a tea and sambusa and let's look at what is beneath this scarf and, and vice versa. Yeah. I tell some of my, I my mean, volunteers, yeah. Sometimes I yeah. wonder if I'm going to offend because I'm so open about, like, my sex life or, you know, I, <laughs> like, I just want to make sure that... Um, no, we talk about you, sex all the time. That's so easy. <laughs> it's not really... You, it's fine. You can... There's... We talk about sex all the time. Women talk about sex all the time. For us, we say, my goodness... I don't feel anything because we all gone through the female genetic is a worrisome. We never have a contrast of what a woman who has her everything that is not being cut to feel and women who are being cut who never felt anything. So we need that conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not going to be bad. Of course, you have to have a safe environment and yeah. friends to the but you need to have a really like i don't just talk to anyone about my sex you know you want that relationship and trust <laughs> yes first, but it's but, but it is it's nice and the, one of the like if i would ask anything right now female genital cutting reproductive health support is the number one ask for somali women and if anyone who is listening or maybe out there wants to be joining how to help somali women both because there's not only Somali women, but women who goes through female genital and they feel insecure about sex. And remember, back home, everyone was the same. Right now, we moved to an environment where sex is the normal, where people talk about it. So right now, women are insecure and saying, I don't know how to relate other people. Really quick, I just want, for anyone who doesn't know what um, uh, female genital cutting is, it's... Yeah. It's 
Well, I, I want, I'm not an expert at this. No, no um, one's expert on that. But Go basically ahead. the clitoris is removed. Yeah. And so I can imagine going from where that is what everyone has to yeah. then going to this culture where female orgasm is like a thing Woo-hoo, that's talked yeah. about and there's like Cosmo magazine about how to have multiple orgasms coming to where that's talked about and then that would be very very uh, difficult difficult but also you remember the second generation are not cut so there's also a, a relationship issue between mom and daughter the kids who are born here who came young they're not cut so you have a second generation who want to know about the Cosmo story and all that but mommy who can't relate to her daughter so if mother if mother moms have a relationship with say uh, other white mommies they can tell what the young kid what the young daughter is expected to feel or look or what to do <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it's that oh. basic intimate knowledge of a relation they see how how these two groups can support one another yeah so but the judgment needs to be removed so you have the second generation the third generation but you have a generation like me who are like i don't know how to relate to my daughters (laughs) like what do you do what do you what do you see for the next five to ten years in uh intimate health in your community and what do you hope for in terms of like where this is going what do you see in the future well um we need to make sure that men are men feel comfortable women being in charge in charge and and becoming a 50 50 partnership back home he was the breadwinner she was the homemaker right now we're saying ah, ah, ah to be successful equal you'll do something she'll do something there's the partnership we have to empower our men so then we don't have a patriarch matrix society so that is our community and then with the community doing a public policy make them involve and so that they don't have to be a gust they need to be empowered vote network do all the good stuff that is our community the mainstream community is we have to push policies you know work with the legislators come up with specific agendas that will enhance our communities needs and communities of color needs collaborating with other allies who are really not for themselves but wanted to share power and wanted to empower communities of color and other communities how do we build a bridge who wants to know us and our community who do they want to know how do we how do we create a harmony environment where those who want to cross each other's bridge they could cross and feel comfortable with each other. Thank you so much for joining us on The Speculum. I am excited to continue to collaborate and learn more about your organization and support each other as women. Oh, absolutely. Really help our communities support each other and learn more from each other and move away from judgment and come at things with compassion and curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity I love and compassion, yes. I, yeah, I think the judgment, just being judgmental doesn't help anything. So no. we have a lot of work to do as a woman, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you do. I think it's just amazing that you're talking about this intimate issue and nobody talks about this thing and everyone is... Every woman wants to say something about those things. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for coming. 
Thank you so much for joining this week's episode. Please tweet your questions to at OvaWoman. To access past and future episodes, visit thespeculumpodcast.com. This podcast is produced by Ova Woman, a women's intimate health company. Check them out at ovawoman.com. We also had help this week from the wonderful Megan Hadley. Our next episode will be available on Thursday, March 17th. Please subscribe and rate our podcast in iTunes.